airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry V is over in Studio CC. We will open the phone lines up in the last segment. At least that's our aim. And mm-hmm. get your take on some of what we are discussing today. Today's topic is um, culture-proof your kids. Um, and by that, we mean um, equip your kids to stand in the culture, to be impervious to the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another sister and the Lord who says, you know, you got to get your kids out into the culture without getting the culture into them. And as a parent and as grandparents, um, sometimes the more actively we are doing this, we realize how difficult it is. Yeah. Um, I think it's very easy for us to, you know, read books about these things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in some instances, I think it's very easy to talk about it. But when you're actually attempting to do it, it is very difficult. Yeah. You're um, fighting on all sides. I've often said that the feeling that I get from what we're doing is like a goalie. Right. You know, just all over the place, just trying to block here and block there. And I mean, and truly, sometimes you're putting your whole body into it. You know what (laughs) I mean? Just laying across the goal like you're just, you know, and and um, and and then let me just also say if if that's not exhausting enough. Uh, even sometimes that is not enough, yeah. right? Like all of that that you're doing. So just imagine um, thinking that you're just going to cruise into your, well, I've done what I need to do and my kids are grown. You know what right, I mean? Like, right. you know, that's kind of, um, I don't know if ever there was a time that you could just say that, but certainly that time is not now. Right. I mean, certainly it is um, It is hard work. And it's all hands on deck. If yeah. If your kids are grown, and you yeah. and they're oh, married. Man. You have grandkids. Come on, you are needed. Help us. <laughs> you know, if you're an auntie, you're an uncle. Yeah. Man, yeah. this this yeah. thing is is huge. Like as far as uh, being able to uh, culture proof our, our children, it, it's all hands mm-hmm. on deck, and mm-hmm. it's not for the faint of heart because things are coming at you from every angle. Like every single, you have angle. to be yeah alert and aware. Yeah, I, I say it it takes all that we're doing and probably some of the things we're not doing. Oh yeah. And and for that we have to be very prayerful. <laughs> yes. You know, the Lord will the lead Holy us. Spirit help us. Amen. And um let me say this, mm-hmm. you know, I think that our listeners know us by now that um, you know, we're not we're not trying to please people. Mm-hmm. Right? Like at the end of the day, um our great question is, man, do we bring glory to God? Mm-hmm. In that conversation, do we bring glory to God in that discussion? Was the word of God exalted? Was the word of God used as a straight edge against which we must align, um, you know, or were we serving ourselves or trying to serve others? You know, that kind of thing against um, the Lord being exalted. And so we really try to stay as close to that as we possibly can, understanding that we're human. We don't think we're perfect, but that's our aim. However, you know, however well we 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 get there, that's our aim. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So on today's show, I want to say something because I'm well aware of what our topic is and where it's going to go. And it's easier. Guys, I don't do political correctness really well. So I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. Okay. And then um, people can, you can do with it what you want. It's easier for me to talk to black people about what I see as the specific attack um, that's happening in the culture and where I think black people should be vigilant. This is what is going on. This is how you're being manipulated. This is how you're being, it's easy when we're talking Mm -hmm. about ethnicity. Yeah. Right. Um, Because I think there exists um, sort of like an understanding that comes right along with the conversation Mm -hmm. that you can rest and know that I am not trying to charge you with anything in this conversation, mm-hmm. right? Like you, yeah. you can let your guard down. I let my guard down. Why? Because we arguably, you know, some could say maybe not, but we have a type of understanding because we have a type of culture that is shared to mm-hmm. some extent, to some extent, yeah, to some extent, not, right. not perfectly, not across the right. board right. because look, there are black people who know nothing of my cultural experience. Yeah. All right. Nothing at all. Right. Okay. And just because we're in the same color skin does not mean that our experiences are all the same. And therefore you can ask the static question and then all the answers be the same. That just can't happen. Right. People know that that just doesn't happen. You know? Um, However, however, there is a certain opportunity that is enjoyed, I think, to be able to talk without the second guessing mm. when people are from the same ethnicity and from what they might expect to be a similar cultural understanding. Yeah. Right. So I can say things that um, you're not going to go. Are you trying to call me? Are mm-hmm. you trying to say you, you understand what I'm saying? Like there's a so so because of all of that, there's a certain level of comfort there. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that white people feel the same way. Maybe mm-hmm. there's something that you're talking about and, and there's a certain level of comfort and safety that you feel because you think that the person that you're speaking to is going to be more gracious because maybe they know you and they understand that that's not what you mean. That's not what you're saying. And, and right? I, I want to say not to be confused with some some of the prevailing like feeling of the day that I'd rather be with with mine because I don't feel like, you know, uh, no. You no, know, because mine is the with, body with, of Christ. Yeah, but you know, the the thought is even within some sects of you know, in, in some places of of of, of worship, that I want to be around my own type of people. Oh, okay, yes, I see what you're saying. You know, what okay, I'm saying? yeah, we have heard that foolishness that. and we reject it. That's right. not what I'm saying at all. That's not I don't what feel I'm like saying. dealing with this, and they don't understand oh, me, so I don't want to be so around true. them. I can't worship yes. with them. We're not saying that no. at all. And and actually the context, I'm so glad you said that because the context in which I mean this is to say, have hard conversations to be able to say, listen, you're believing a lie. Yeah. Do you understand? It's not to say, oh yeah, I'm just comfortable because the conversation is easy and it's comfortable. No, it's to say it's a hard conversation, but I think we can have this conversation Mm -hmm. because to a certain extent, we kind of understand where we're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We, we have somewhat of Mm. a, of, of a cultural experience that we can understand one another. Mm-hmm. And historically that meant that you weren't going to tell me that I hated myself. Right. Right. You know, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. We're not there anymore. All no, right. Far away. Um, so, so why am I saying that? I am saying that because I am, we are going to have a discussion today 
that was prompted by an article we read and a couple um couple public service annou- announcements from the Cartoon Network. Right. <laughs> it sounds crazy that I have to give all of this background for a Cartoon <laughs> Network public service announcement. Right. But that's exactly what I have to do, right? So the reason I'm saying all of that is because this conversation is probably going to be uncomfortable for people to listen in on. Because what we're going to do is we're going to slice down the middle. And when we slice down the middle, there are going to be people who are going to be very tempted to judge our motives because we're not in the same color skin as you. Mm. And so what I want to say to you is that I understand that, but you're going to have to just check our track record. Right. That's all I'm saying. Amen. That's all I'm saying that, that we believe what the Bible says about sin and partiality. We believe that partiality as a sin resides in the human heart and must be eradicated by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's right. That there is no, it doesn't exist uh, in one particular hue versus the other. It exists in the human heart, Right. People will show partiality within ethnic contexts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. All right. Um, and see, this is where I say, this is where I say in some instances, it would be easier to make the statement that I'm about to make because in the black context, there is partiality over shades of skin color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Y'all didn't think I would say that, did you? But you know, it's true. There, there is partiality over shades of color of skin. It has nothing to do with quote unquote whiteness, the, the, the conversation that is being had today, right? right? Or the ideology that is being pushed through the conversation today it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with sin in the human heart. And all of this points to our need for a savior. All of this points to our need for Jesus Christ, right? So today, what we want to do is we want to encourage parents to culture-proof their kids. We're going to look at the attack that is levied at kids, and we're going to slice down the middle. This means this means that protecting your kids from this culture it means that you're not teaching your kids lies. Come on. In either direction. All right? In either direction. You're not <laughs> yes. teaching your kids lies. Amen. So that means that you've got to take an active role in bringing your mm-hmm. kids to the scriptures. And then when you, and, and so because of what we're going to talk about today, filtering history through the lens of scripture. That means that where people get it wrong, you say that was wrong. That's right. That's right. And where people get it right, you say that was right. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do that, then you are going to compromise the integrity of the scriptures or worse. Well, no, that's worse. <laughs> that's worse. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the absolute worst, right? You're going to compromise the integrity of the scriptures or, or if you don't do that, and that's worst case scenario, what you will do is compromise your kids' ability to understand right and wrong. Mm. You will teach them a sliding scale of right and wrong, and then you will confuse them and set them up to dismiss the hard truths of scripture. I'm going to say, ah, you know, if you don't really, you don't see it that way, you don't have to see it that way. <laughs> you'll, you'll be teaching them a soft eisegesis, okay? Like, <laughs> I, I, I see it this way, so I want to read that into Scripture. We don't want to do that. Come on. We want to wrestle. Sometimes we have to. We want to wrestle in conversation as we train our kids, as we train our grandkids. And sometimes the answer is not going to be as easy to, to explain as we would like, but we take the time. We put in the time because we have got, man, we've got a belligerent culture right now Mm -hmm. that is willing and at the ready to step into the vacuum that you create. That's true. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to deal with it. Eh, We will. (laughs) They will do it. They will do it. 
And so today's program is dedicated to challenging and encouraging parents and grandparents, and even, as Will said, aunts and uncles who love Jesus, who love the word of God, who exalt the word of God, who see the word of God as a straight edge. This is about encouraging you to culture proof the children in your life, to give them the truth, to talk about things truthfully, even though it's uncomfortable. Mm. Here's what we can't do. We cannot avoid the truth because we don't want to be accused of being woke. Mm -hmm. So we say, well, I don't want to talk about that because that, that almost makes me sound like Will and I, we've had some conversations, um, you know, with some of our friends, like, you know, privately, right. Had some conversations where you go, Oh, and I hate to even say this because it sounds woke. You know what I mean? You don't, (laughs) you don't want to sound woke because (laughs) it's so, it's so destructive to the body of Christ. But there are times that, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, but you let's just man, let's just ugh. be real. There are times <laughs> that you know the broken clock is actually right. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you're like, oh, it actually is noon. You know what I mean. <laughs> so, yeah. So you find yourself saying the same thing, but you want to be careful because too much overlap. Um, you know, it, it's like acknowledging a fool in his folly. Mm-hmm. You know, you. you <laughs> anyways, all right. I've gone on long enough about that. The Cartoon Network. Um in February had this public service announcement where, and here's the thing that really kind of outrages me over this. And, and I, and I, I don't know. The indoctrination is so strong Mm -hmm. and the attempts to create victims and oppressors is starting at younger and younger ages. Yesterday we talked about three months, (laughs) three months old. I don't know anybody who can beat that three (laughs) months old. Your baby is as they call it racist. Right. And, and starting to show racist tendencies. But what we have a culture that is doing, it is um, actively seeking to indoctrinate your kids right now in real time. And I don't know if we even have time for this first clip. Do we? we Well, great. We're going to wait for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to wait for this clip and we're going to get to it on the other side of the break. But the Cartoon Network um, had a public service announcement where basically they are telling kids to understand that they are oppressed if they are a certain color. And um, possibly even know that you are, you know, having a different experience and a positive one um, if you're not a certain color. So in order for that to make sense, you got to hear the clip. We'll play the clip when we get back and then we'll kind of dissect it and then we'll bounce around. I got a few other articles just to make the case that in our kids entertainment and what they're consuming, there is an all out move to indoctrinate them. So we as parents, as caregivers, however it is that you're involved in a kid's life, you've got to culture-proof them. Amen. All right. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. I want to be a flame for you. Let me be a flame for you. Burn in me, God. Burn in me. I want to be a flame. Everyone's the same, everybody joins. 
purple? What the? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up a minute here. Ugh, who wrote this? I, I think it kind of does matter that I'm purple. I mean, I'm purple because I'm literally an alien. Well, I'm not an alien, but it definitely matters to me that I'm black. Yeah, it makes a difference that I'm white. I know the two of us get treated very differently. I just think it's messed up to compare me being an alien to you two being different races. You're both human. You're, you're totally biologically the same. Adding purple people into a lesson about human racism makes no sense. Yeah, yeah that is pretty weird. weird. I think people like the black, white, or purple thing because adding a fantasy race in there helps distract from the actual racism black people have to deal with. Right. My experience with anti-black racism is really specific. Other people of color experience other forms of racism, too. But you won't see any of that if you don't see color. Dude, so this entire public service announcement could be a ploy to avoid talking about racism altogether. Hey, uh, can we get a rewrite where we appreciate each other without erasing what makes each of us different? Okay, but it's going to add a couple hours to the shoot. I can make yours open. Uh, you were rolling just now, weren't you? Can't we just slap some graphics on this and call it a day? Okay, welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. That is um, a part of a series of public service announcements that are airing on the Cartoon Network. And you can find these. Of course, we're going to have links to all of this in the podcast notes so you can go check it out for yourself. But I saw this and uh, it was in the context of reading an article. And I thought, man, you know, let, let me let me check out the actual video here. And. I, I wanted to make some observations about it, right? Because when you see this video, you've got these uh, two ki- This sounds so silly. You've got two <laughs> kids and an, and an alien. Okay. And, um, and so you've got a white girl, a black girl, and a purple alien. And they are marching um, into like a playground or something or in front of houses or something. And, and uh, they are declaring that, um, you know, color blindness mm-hmm. is the name of the game. And and then the alien kind of stops everything and says, you know, wait a minute. Wait, um, it doesn't matter that I'm purple because I'm an alien. But basically, she's saying it does matter that you guys are black and white. Like mm-hmm. that actually does matter. Like right. I, I don't matter because I'm an alien. OK, but you guys are actually like um, both human, both people and, you know, that kind of thing. And I thought about this because we've had conversations on this show where I say, no, we should see color. We shouldn't say that we're colorblind, meaning mm-hmm. that, oh, I don't even recognize that a person is a different color or whatever that color is. And in the context of the conversation, I have said, um, see color because, man, glory to God, God has designed us. Yeah. This is God who has made us. However, what this PSA is doing is saying, see color and determine that connected to that color is probably, most likely, racism that has some play in their life. Mm-hmm. Either they are the oppressor, the little white girl, or they are the oppressed, mm-hmm. the little black girl. So if you didn't hear this clearly, let me just let me just say here. So you have the black girl who says, well, I'm not an alien, but it definitely matters to me that I'm black, right? And then the white girl says, I think people like the black, white, or purple thing because adding a fantasy race in there helps distract from the actual racism black people have to deal with. (laughs) 
So just throwing in some random color is actually taking away from the conversation that could get us to a deeper level level where we're talking about race. The thing that's interesting is that when you read the YouTube channel's sort of comments under this this video, there the message that is on YouTube, the YouTube channel for Cartoon Network, they say it's important to see people in all their beautiful colors. Okay. They said when you see color and the unique experiences that come from it, you can recognize the role that racism plays in our culture and appreciate everyone in their diversity. I think you can appreciate everyone in their diversity without attaching so-called racism to it. Yeah. You can make these observations without attaching to this, the oppressor and the oppressed. Yeah. Okay. And that is what this cartoon is doing. And so as we were talking about this, I, I asked Will the Great, and, and actually we asked our kids about this. Mm-hmm. We asked them their opinion, just their raw opinion watching the cartoon. And I was, I was kind of relieved that they did not catch as much as we caught mm-hmm. in watching it, right? Um, they had questions and then they had some comments, but they didn't catch as much as we caught. And so my question to Will the Great, and I'm going to ask you this question again so we can have a conversation around yeah. this. What is different now Versus when you and I were in school, because mm-hmm. when we have had, I mean, you, you could say we've had like 40 plus like black history months. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like where y- you have school plays where yeah. you're talking about black history yeah. and you're talking about civil rights and you're talking about the civil rights movement and yeah. all of these things. But this time it feels different. There is a different tone to it. There is a different feel. And I'm wondering, how do we identify? How do we put our finger on what the objective is in the current presentations that we're watching. Well, I would have to say from my experience, you know, um, that whenever we had a a Black History Month play or things like that, it wasn't from a position of being a victim at all. I think the the victim uh, mentality that's uh, placed upon this is what makes it different. It was mm-hmm. like, yeah, we, we talked about, you know, history and things that happened. And also we talked about, you know, different uh, people in history. But it was always in a, in a it had a feel of they have done so you can do. Like, yes. it was yes. never like, oh, man, you know, they have done. But the system here is still stopping you from <laughs> doing. It yes, was like, that's it was like, yeah, it was like a feel of, man, it's been done. Great things have been done through history by, you know, melanated people. And, man, we can continue to do great things. That it, that was the feel of it. It was and never you, a victim uh, thing. Would you also say that there was the feel that, though that was wrong, this is a, this is a blemish on our nation's history. Was mm-hmm. there also the feel that, man, but we live in a great nation mm-hmm. and you can you still can, do great yes, things. You can do. Like, with the opportunities that we have now, that was a... Uh, uh, that was expressed too. That things are different. That the opportunities that you have now, your grandparents and great grandparents did not have. You can do this, that, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was always positive and like, man, empowering in that way. It wasn't ever mm-hmm. like, oh man, you know. And we are still victims. And we, and you know. it wasn't. It was. That's exactly right. It wasn't. It wasn't ongoing oppression that we are. And this sounds diabolical to even say, but it. There was no celebration of ongoing oppression. Right. Which is what I feel like is coming from the media that is overrun by liberals and people who hate God. Mm. 
and who want to transform not only what we think, but how we interact with one another. Mm -hmm. They want us to hate one another. They want us to judge one another, be critical of one another, critical of one another (laughs) all the time. Right. And so what you're battling is that it's not it's not information to encourage. It is information to um, subjugate or to create guilt Mm -hmm. or to say you are a victim. You are either um, inescapably white or you're inescapably oppressed. Right. So so there is there's there's no hope for anyone really in this equation. But I guess for the oppressed, because it's the race to the bottom to be celebrated at the top, then you have a little bit. There's a little it's a little bit better for you, Mm -hmm. even though your title is oppression. Now, let someone think that we have just captured one PSA and pulled that out and said, okay, you know, this is what Cartoon Network is doing. Um, Here is another PSA where. Um, you know, I try to look at this like when, when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when I was growing up, it would have been a PSA that probably would have just talked about the individual that is mentioned. I don't want to give too much away. I'm gonna let you hear it. And then mm-hmm. we'll talk about it when we get back. Um, but that's not what happens. What happens is even though you've got this very victorious, um, overcoming individual mentioned in this PSA, he's a victim even from the grave. Right. He's a a victim even from the grave, which for me, I just I cannot imagine the effect that this will have on a group of kids. Right. Who grow up perpetually, perpetually feeling like they are victims and that they are having to live in in a world and Mm -hmm. interact with perpetual oppressors. Right. It's indoctrination. It is indoctrination. And and they're using these, you know, cartoon type things to, to do it. Yes. Yes. Okay. here we go. This is this is clip two. All right, class. Can anyone tell me who invented the light bulb? Thomas Edison! That's not entirely true. The light bulb could more rightfully be attributed to Louis Latimer, the black inventor behind the filament inside the bulb. Hughes' invention made light bulbs affordable and efficient enough for the general public, bringing electric light into households around the world. Well, so now now you you know. know. Wait, is that it? Hold on. We're not going to mention why he invented the filament? To create a better standard of living for people who had only just been freed from slavery? Are we going to ask why kids are apparently learning about Thomas Edison? Thomas Edison! And not learning about Louis Latimer? These textbooks are incomplete. There were black Roman warriors, black medieval knights, black classical musicians, black cowboys, black fighter pilots. Where are they? I worry about you humans because you only live, what, about a hundred years? You rely on these stories to know your own history. Thanks to systemic racism, most of your storytellers prioritize white accomplishments, which leaves you with an incomplete picture. Ask yourself as you're learning history, who's telling the story? Was this modified to make white readers comfortable? Are major details being left out that would credit people of color and center their point of view? Honestly, I should have asked for script approval before agreeing to do this. We'll do some rewrites. I'm sorry. We didn't know. Well, so now you know. Now, this this is a cartoon. I just want I just want this this is an animated PSA. Mm-hmm. The the woman's voice that you hear is an alien. Okay? Um or a robot or something. Yeah, I, I something don't know. I, I don't follow Cartoon Network nor do we allow our kids to do it. Okay? No. Some sort of something and is teaching to kids 
And in this, you can get the picture here. And of course, again, there will be links. But the kids all perk up, you know, Thomas Edison. Oh, she she goes, no, what? how come you guys don't even know about Lewis Latimer, right? And then she says something that actually, now listen, that's what she says is factually untrue. Okay, now here is the actual history. And, and here's something else that is really interesting about this. When Joe Biden was on the campaign trail um, in September, he was actually in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and he said something about um, needing to give credit to black people for their contributions, which is true. Yes, anybody who contributes something should receive credit for what they do, not simply because of the color of their skin. However, if they're not getting credit simply because of the color of their skin, then you mention that. You said, no, you don't exclude people because of the color of their skin. You don't include people because of the color of their skin either. But here's what he said. He said that basically the light bulb uh, was improperly credited as having been invented by a white guy named Edison. That's an exact quote, quote unquote, a white guy named Edison. That's Joe Biden. Right. Um, Which you might expect that. But that is actually not true. Thomas Edison did invent the light bulb. He did invent what we commonly think of as the way the light bulb function and function and its design. However, however, it was Lewis Latimer who improved upon Edison's original design. Mm -hmm. He created a light bulb with a more durable filament, Mm -hmm. which was made of carbon so that it could burn longer. And he was the one who actually sold the patent to that. All right. So successfully, he actually did receive credit for his idea. Now, now, if you want to say, if you want to say, so listen, as we're talking about Thomas Edison, let's also talk about Lewis Lattimore because look at how these two stories work together. This is how I would teach history to my children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you understand? I would not pit Lewis Lattimore against Thomas Edison. Right. <laughs> but right. this is how our kids are being indoctrinated. So even dead men go to blows <laughs> over a light bulb that nobody really thinks about until it blows out. <laughs> Hello. Right. I mean, but but do you see this? So what do as parents, we have to show up for our children. Mm -hmm. Right. We have to teach them how to understand history through a biblical lens. And this is what that means. Let me. So now here's where the rubber meets the road. Okay, here's where we get gritty, gritty. So our children are reading through a particular curriculum, um, dealing with social studies and history. And um, and J.D. recently came to a section of history on the Civil War mm-hmm. and uh, slavery. And when he came to this section, he had some questions for me. So he comes to me and J.D. is an active reader. Yeah, he is not a passive reader at all, at all. He is very critical. He thinks deeply about things. And I love that. And I try to encourage it. Right. And so he came to me because he's reading through this textbook and he had a problem with the way slavery was talked about. He thought, it sounds like they're just talking about people they hired to work on their farms Mm -hmm. and not people who were enslaved and didn't have rights and in some cases seen as like animals. Certainly without a dispute seen as property owned, sold. 
So we had to have a conversation around this as he went through underlining the things that stood out to him. We'll talk about it when we get back. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Stay right there. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I don't know. We may have to just open the phone lines up wide open on Friday for all of this. I'm just looking at where yeah. we still want to go. And, yeah. and so we'll just have I to see. So. Okay. Um, welcome back. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that's five featuring Drew Weeks with Lead the Way. Um, we've got a Marriage Family Life Conference coming up. Um, mm-hmm. It is our apologetics conference where we are equipping not only parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, but kids to stand uh, in this depraved <laughs> culture that we're in, and it's 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 only getting worse. Mm. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> by the day, it seems, or, or, you know, you're like every time you open your news app, it's it's getting worse and <laughs> right. worse. Uh, anyway, well, the great. Tell our listeners how they can learn more about the conference. Yes, you can go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. You can get all the details for the Marriage Family Life Conference happening June 24th uh, through the 26th. Uh, we have a great lineup of speakers, and it's a conference within a conference, So, meaning that we have a youth apologetics track uh, for ages 4 to 17. And so we see this conference as a conference that uh, we want to minister to the entire family. So if you're looking for somewhere to come for vacation or whatever, come on out to Tupelo, and, and this conference, I think, will really bless you. Uh, you can go and, and you can see the lineup of, of uh, speakers. We have a couple to add to that uh, lineup. But you can go to uh, marriagefamilylife.net to get the details, to, to see about hotel accommodations, uh, and also uh, you can see a schedule of what's going to be happening. So uh, we just hope that you're able to come, marriagefamilylife.net. And right now is our early bird uh, rate, and so that will change April 1st. So I would uh, recommend that you get the price uh, at this discounted rate right now. So, so J.D. is learning about um, Civil War and learning about um, Civil War history. And so he's, of course, learning about slavery. Mm-hmm. And um, he gets to this place where he's learning about Mr. Eli Whitney and um, the cotton gin. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I asked him I, as he was going through, he's going to actively read. That's just how he is. Right. But I asked him to underline. So just put in a little extra work for me, please. And just underline stuff that you have questions about. Like if right. you, you come across something and you're like, mm, I don't understand, just underline. So um, in preparation for this show, I have his little book here and um, I'm looking at some of his underlines and man, it's the sweetest thing. You know, I, I hope that when he's like in his 20s, if you know, we don't know. But anyway, if, when he's I can show him some of his work here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as he's going through, he's um, reading about Eli Whitney. And I, I just want to read to you this short paragraph and I'll, I'll tell you what he underlined here. <clears throat> and then we'll have a conversation around it. Okay. Um, So Mr. Eli Whitney was the son of a New England farmer, and even as a boy, he showed unusual mechanical ability. He often used his mechanical ability to make different kinds of tools. Mr. Whitney attended Yale University, and when he finished his legal studies there, he was offered a teaching job in Georgia. In his spare time, he continued his legal studies. The teaching job in Georgia did not work out as planned, but Mr. Whitney was offered a place to stay at the lovely green plantation. My son underlined lovely green plantation Mm -hmm. and 
when I talked to him about this particular page, because he's gone through, he's done this for a few pages, okay? So when I asked him about this, he was like, you know, like, I don't know if you can describe a place that housed slaves as lovely. Mm. I don't know if you can, like, I, I just don't, I don't think of it that way, Yeah. right? Now, please understand, I want you to understand something. Our son has not been given some other ideology. Right. Okay? He is feasting on the word of God. Amen. He is, this is where his instruction comes from, right? And he loves the word of God. And so when I look at this, so it prompted me. So I, I, I turned to Will and I, I was like, man, okay. So I was trying to think of what might, you know, would, would a person ever describe Auschwitz as lovely? Mm. And, and I think, I mean, that's a ridiculous question. And, and I don't mean to be insensitive. I think people would say no, right? But I think somebody might describe a, a plantation as lovely mm -hmm. depending on their perspective of it. Exactly. Yes. But if you're there and you are treated as cattle and you are beaten mm -hmm. and you are raped and you are dehumanized, I'm just not sure that however it looks on the outside, however aesthetically beautiful it might be, mm -hmm. you can describe it as lovely. Right. And right. so these are the conversations where we have to say, nope, I think that's a miss. Yeah. I think that's a miss. And then when you go and you continue through and he's, he's underlining about, you know, slavery and because of the cotton gin working so well. So here's another paragraph because the cotton gin worked so well, plantation owners began buying more land to plant more cotton, which meant they needed more slaves to plant, care for, pick and clean the cotton. The price of a slave increased because each slave was considered more valuable than ever. A good field worker sold for $1,000 to $1,500, which was a great amount of money in the 1800s. So he underlined a good field worker sold for $1,000 to $1,500, uh, which was a great amount of money in the 1800s. And you think of this, and I'm trying to think, he just turned 11. So I'm trying to think of this from like a 10-year-old's perspective, mm. right? That when we are writing about this, we have to make sure that we write about this from a, and at this time, and in this circumstance, so that it is not sort of like glossed over. Yeah. Do you understand what yeah. I'm saying? That we yeah. just are, because think about this. We still today have people who are being sold, people mm -hmm. who are being sold. So when we talk about it, we have to show great care. This is one of those conversations where we say, okay, um, the, the Wokies will say, <laughs> You guys can't clean this up and, and you can't make this look this way. And I would say, no, I agree. I think we have to tell the truth. Yeah. Amen. The Bible, the Bible does not hold back on not telling the all. truth about the depravity of man. the dirtiness. <laughs> and it is not relegated just to somebody's skin color. Please right. understand. Everybody get in line with your sin. <laughs> get in line. And so what do we have to do as parents and as grandparents? We have to have uncomfortable conversations if, in fact, it makes you uncomfortable. This didn't make me uncomfortable. Can I tell you what made me uncomfortable? I'm going to tell you what made me uncomfortable. What made me uncomfortable was as J.D. is going through and he's reading about the Confederacy and he's reading about certain men of the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. And as he reads about these men, they are described in terms that he's he's going, 
But they're saying that they're godly men. But they're also saying that they owned slaves. And he goes, so how do I understand that? Do you say that they're not godly men because they own slaves? And so we said, you know what, J.D.? Here's what we have to say about that. Sin is in the human heart. Mm-hmm. And we need a savior. Now, to say that a person did not love God because they owned slaves, I'm not willing to do that. Right. I'm not willing to do that. Right. But I am willing to say they were wrong. Yeah. I am 100%. willing to say that to look at a person and say that they are, you know, on the evolutionary scale, not quite human. That is wrong. And so when we got to that point where we saw, well, the great and I saw that it was causing great conflict because he was coming to us every day. You know, <laughs> he, he was like, OK, I have another question. OK, I just don't understand. So let me tell you what we did. We said, you know what? We want you to take a break from that. And, I, and you know, honestly, we'll just tell you uh, we're going to we're just not going to finish this one. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why. Because we're his parents. And we don't like the picture that is being painted. I think you have to tell the whole truth. You have to say, listen, this was wrong. This it is sin to dehumanize a person. That is sin to dehumanize a person. So here's what we gave him. We gave him Ken Ham's One Blood for Kids book. Yeah. <laughs> he said, this is your social studies. This right here is what you're going to work through. And by the way, he's finished, he's finished the book. It's not a long read. I want to recommend that if you are having a hard time having a conversation with your kids about ethnicity, about partiality, and all of those things, I want to recommend that you get this book. It's written by Ken Ham, One Blood for Kids. Uh, the subtitle is What the Bible Says About Race. Only thing I'd change, but here we go. Um, let your kids read through this book. Mm-hmm. Because I think that Ken Ham does an incredible job of painting the full picture. Yeah. Listen, where man is flawed, the Bible says that man is flawed. You know what my prayer was before we started this show? Lord, I pray that, um, that we will not try to protect ourselves or anyone else, but that we will tell the truth for your glory. Our kids are counting on us to live a consistent life. Because here's the thing, you know, you, you, you have to be able to say that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I think of Willie Parker. Willie Willie Parker calls himself a minister whose ministry is abortion. The Reverend Willie Parker, Reverend Dr. Willie Parker. I've written about him. He's a black man who says that his ministry, God has called him to provide this service for women, killing babies, killing babies. So then, so now, so now you see that you see now, look at that. You see now. So now the question is, so, so what do I say? Do I say, Oh, well, you know, Willie Parker is just a man of his time. He's just a, you know, abortion is legal. And, and so we can't expect him to really know what is right and what is wrong. Or do I say the Bible is explicit about the value and the dignity of human life. This man is wrong. Do I, do I say that? Or do I change it just a little bit because of the time that we're living in? What do I do? Well, as a parent, nay, as a follower of Christ, what I am compelled to do is to take our kids to the word of God. Slavery predates America. So I don't have to look at like, oh, I want to protect my nation. 
Like, like <laughs> the Bible even deals with how slaves are to be treated by their masters. But you know what was left out in the antebellum South? What was left out was also how masters are to relate to their slaves. Like it's how slaves are to relate to their masters, but also how masters are to relate to their slaves. But here is the thing that often I think we miss in this conversation. When we talk about it in America. The Bible was not teaching masters that their slaves were human because the Bible already presupposed that we knew that. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, the chastisement <laughs> that came from Paul was like, look, <laughs> You have a master too. You're a master. You have a master too. And he doesn't show partiality. He's going to judge you just like your slaves will be judged. Notice that it's not like your slave is human. Treat your slave as a person. It is do what is right for the glory of God. But in America, we had something unique here. We had something different that we really had to fight through. And, you know, we can, we can blame it on, you know, people who present themselves as wise, but they're fools. Mm hmm. And they say that we have different orders of creation. And, and so, you know, these people have descended from this type of monkey and this person from the ape, this person from the orangutan and all of these things. And I'm not making it up. Right. And so then, you know, we can treat people because, listen, we have to be able to say, yeah, you know, there was a time where there were people who thought that black people in our society didn't feel pain <laughs> like other people. So, yeah, man, there were gruesome exper experiments that were performed on them. Medical procedures done without anesthesia. Guys, these are facts. You know why I can say that freely and not think that I'm going to create a wokey? Because <laughs> I've already taught our kids, we've already taught our kids that sin is real. Yep. And that it will take up residence in whichever heart has not allowed the blood to wash it. It doesn't it. matter. That's right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, your skin color is not an automatic determinant of whether or not you're going to be an oppressor. You know, and I, and I, I thought it was such a compliment as we were talking about this and, and Mariah was there. I thought it was such a compliment that she said, you know, it's just still so hard for me to um, believe that we once had slavery in America. You remember this? And mm -hmm. she said, it just seems like we're just so much better than that. Like, it just, I don't know. <laughs> she goes, I know it's, I know it exists. And I know, you know, it happened in other countries. And I know it's an old thing. You know, she goes, but I just, you know, she said, I think the thing is just for me, it's like, it was America. We did that. Like, I can't believe we hmm. did that. And I think that's really a, a compliment to what she expects of our values here. It's a compliment of what she expects when, because we've read the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to not put ourselves in a place where um, we can be accused by those who are looking for a reason to accuse us. Yeah. We have to tell the truth. That's why I really appreciate David Barton. Man, David yeah, Barton tells the great truth. Great resources. It's great resources there. Wall builders. Check them out. He tells the truth. We can tell the truth. We have been set free from bondage. We no longer have to like cower. And here's the thing. People whose ancestors own slaves do not owe black people anything. Come on now. Guys, you see this we we can just <laughs> tell that we can just tell the truth. If the Christians, if the light bearers will not tell the truth, 
then the world will step in and tell their truth. They will tell their version. Man, may it never be so that they find any space to be able to accuse us. We have to tell the truth for the glory of God. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.